0: Oh my goodness! Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler, This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 544. Welcome in. I got a lot to say before we get into sports. Although I will say the lead story today is about a trade that went horribly lopsided. I got a lot to say non-sports related. First of all, I'm realizing as I talk, I haven't really said many words out loud today. I had a meeting this morning at 7 a.m., 7 to whatever it is now. I haven't really spoken out loud and my voice does not feel warmed up. That's interesting. Number two, I got a massive, monumental, embarrassing sunburn this weekend. Uh, I'm very cautious and careful. I'm not a sunscreen person. If you're not going to wear sunscreen... You gotta always wear a long-sleeve mesh shirt and a big, like, covered hat. I hate sunscreen. I don't like how it feels on my body. So I'm like, okay, I wear a mesh shirt. I do that always. When I swim, if I'm outside of my house in Hawaii, between 10 a.m. and 4 o'clock, long-sleeve shirt and a hat. Always. I I broke my rule. I I was with my friends. They do not have the same complexion I do, so they can take their shirts off, jump in the ocean, be there for three hours, no problem. I just... I don't know what I was thinking. I just took my shirt off, got in the ocean, was there for three hours, got out, and I was like, everything hurts. This is horrible. Um, If you've ever been poisoned by the sun, it's called sun poisoning. It does not feel good. I got sick. It was horrible yesterday. Uh, Wrote it out. I was like pounding water all day. It's crazy how hard it is to stay hydrated when you have uh, a really bad sunburn. It's kind of insane. And so a little bit of empathy for me. If you've ever been horribly sunburned on vacation in the tropics, I've always made fun of those people. I now am one of those people, and I'm like, dang it, I am an idiot, and uh, (laughs) ah, not fun to join the club. Uh, The other thing I want to say before we jump into the show today, the the recording schedule for the show is going to be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. That's four days a week, four shows. This week's going to be a bit different. I'm, I'm navigating some stuff. I got a lot of meetings early on this week. Also, my guest I was doing, I've got a guest coming on Wednesday, and I created a schedule with Wednesdays off in the middle. That way, when there's a guest, I can have them on on a Wednesday, record it, and get it all prepared, edit it, put it out Thursday. Usually, guests are going to come on the show. They'll, the, it'll go live on Thursday. I do a recording with them on Wednesdays. Uh, the guest this week, I got a really awesome one, one I'm very excited for. Um, he is flying to... Denver on Wednesday and he's like hey let's just do it before I go to the airport I'm like how about we not how about we just take our time and not be in a hurry I'm like are you free Tuesday so uh probably no show tomorrow Tuesday instead it'll be Monday Wednesday Thursday Friday by Thursday we'll be back in rhythm there will be four shows this week when there's not an episode tomorrow on Tuesday relax we're all good nothing happened to me I'm trying to communicate as best I can so that it's very clear what's going on I love you I appreciate you Uh, My guest is doing shows in Denver later this week, and so we're just doing it early to get it out of his way. And uh, my goodness, I'm excited. It's a really, I think it's an outside the box one that not a lot of people would see coming. And I've got some guests in the future too. Like next week, I think Marcus Whitman's coming on, that franchise guy. Uh, I got a Steelers guy, Devin, I want to come on. I want to have Max Brown on the show at some point. I've never thought to have him on before. I don't know why, because we've talked behind the scenes. He's very lovely. Anyway, let's jump in. Topic number one today. I want to revisit the Trey Lance trade. Uh, During the 2021 NFL Draft, the 49ers moved up, or at least during, right before, whatever the exact time frame was. The 49ers moved up in the 2021 NFL Draft. They were originally a team with a number 12 overall pick, They moved up from 12 to three to draft quarterback Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Originally, Miami had that number three overall pick. And here is what the 49ers sent to Miami in order to acquire the number three overall pick. The 49ers sent Miami a 2021 first round pick, a 2022 first round pick, a 2023 first round pick, and a 2022 third round pick. Three first round picks and a third round pick. Uh, Miami used that 2021 pick, first round pick, to trade up again and make their own move and draft receiver Jalen Waddle. Then they traded that 2022 first round pick and the third round pick to go get Tyree Kill from Kansas City. And then later they traded that 2023 first round pick to Denver for Bradley Chubb. Those first round picks that the 49ers sent Miami became Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, and Bradley Chubb, the two best players on offense for Miami, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill and Bradley Chubb, a pass rusher who is probably overpaid. He signed a massive contract. He's the sixth highest paid pass rusher in the NFL, and he ranked 30th in sacks last year. It's not great. Um, but regardless, what those picks gave Miami, their two best players on offense and Bradley Chubb is way more than Trey Lance has given San Francisco, and the 49ers. What is Trey Lance for the 49ers? Right now, he's their third string quarterback entering his third year in the NFL. He's behind Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold. That's not great. That's, by my estimation, one of the most one-sided results of a trade in the history of the NFL. I'm sure. It's in the conversation. I'm not going to declare it the best because that would honestly require a lot of research. And I know there's a lot of one-sided trades out there. But this is the one I want to focus on. And you're like, man, uh, Trey Lance has brought nothing to the table to help the 49ers. He lost his job. He got hurt. He didn't play at all his rookie year. He was also drafted ahead of Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who was drafted number 11 to Chicago. Mac Jones was drafted after Trey Lance. He's the starting quarterback in New England. He was drafted number 15 overall. So they traded a fortune to go get this guy drafted him ahead of Justin Fields and, Trey, and Justin Fields and Mac Jones and Trey Lance has brought them nothing. This is not a hit piece on Trey Lance. He seems like a nice person, he works hard. I've got nothing against him. But the result has been catastrophic. Like not that's not the wrong, right word because they almost went to the Super Bowl last year. The 49ers are okay. But man, what a one-sided trade. Miami got they built a the whole roster, man. They did so well. And Trey Lance is providing nothing. For the 49ers, by the way, the original uh, three first round picks changed hands a lot. They got traded like the the picks that the 49ers sent to Miami. They bounced all over the place, Philadelphia, Dallas, Kansas City, Denver, like it, they've just been moving everywhere. Uh, but those three players that those the three picks that the how do I say this? The three picks the 49ers traded away here are the three players that got drafted in the first round when things were all said and done. That number 12 overall pick the 49ers had became pass rusher Micah Parsons, who is amazing and uh, defensive rookie of the year. He's an incredible player. That also became lineman Cole Strange, a starting lineman for the New England Patriots, and defensive tackle Brian Brzee, who's currently a backup defensive tackle for the New New Orleans Saints. It's not great, though. Here's the fun question to me. Will Trey Lance ever become a starting quarterback? I did a whole topic last week detailing the journey of Geno Smith, how he got a second chance, how well he's done with that second chance. I would argue, you know, first of all, I'd love to see Trey Lance get a second chance or a reset, but we've never even really seen him get his first chance. He was a backup his first year, which was always the plan, by the way, to sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Year two, um, he is the starting quarterback week one. He loses to Chicago. Chicago was awful last year. They were... 3-14, 3-14, and, and week one, the only game that Trey Lance played an entire game of, they lost to a really bad Bears team and Justin Fields. It was rainy, it was ugly, still not great. Week two, Trey Lance gets hurt, breaks his ankle, Jimmy Garoppolo becomes the starting quarterback, the rest of history. Now, Jimmy G goes on, he gets hurt, Brock Purdy becomes the starting quarterback, potentially franchise quarterback for the 49ers. Again, the result is that his third year in the NFL... The former number 3 overall pick is the third-string quarterback. Oh, not great. Not great at all. Here's where my mind goes, though. When I think about where could Trey Lance play in the future, where does he fit in in the NFL? I I think it's possible he gets an opportunity to be a starting quarterback, although a long shot and very unlikely. He's going to have to earn his way to a starting job. He's probably going to start as a backup, and work his way up. Maybe go sit behind a veteran quarterback until that guy moves on. Maybe wait till someone gets hurt. There there are three offenses, though, that I would like to see Trey Lance play in that I think would be really fun and really entertaining. Maybe he could be the backup quarterback to Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. They've got a similar skill set. You could argue that Trey Lance is maybe a bigger, better athlete. I don't know if that's true. Definitely Anthony Richardson is like the upgraded madden older brother of trey lance uh, of, of sorry of jalen hurts i don't know that trey lance is quite as good as anthony richardson let me, let me explain what i'm saying the colts and indy run the same offense a lot of it's shane steichen the offensive coordinator of the eagles last year is now the head coach in indy so philadelphia and the colts have really really similar offenses with two quarterbacks anthony richardson in indy and jalen hurts the quarterback in philly who both can run, they both have big arms, they're both exciting to watch. I would argue the better athlete and bigger arm is Anthony Richardson, not Jalen Hurts, and AR, Anthony Richardson, has more potential than Jalen Hurts. Now, that conversation aside, Trey Lance would fit really well as the backup in either scenario. A team that wants to run the ball a lot with a quarterback, wants a guy who can throw around everywhere. I think it would be fun to watch Trey Lance as the backup in Indy, eventually, or in Philadelphia, eventually. Another team I'd like to see, Trey Lance, is on the Kansas City Chiefs behind Patrick Mahomes. Just imagine the coaching that he would get from Andy Reid. How much of a development Trey Lance—how do I even say this? How much development Trey Lance would do, sitting under, Andy, or sitting under Patrick Mahomes, learning from Andy Reid— I would love to see him become a better quarterback and succeed. Maybe a year or two behind Patrick Mahomes allows him to eventually become the quarterback we always thought he could. When Trey Lance was drafted, I said very similar things about him that I've I've said about Anthony Richardson, the Colts quarterback. So in Indy, Gardner Minshew is the starting quarterback right now. Anthony Richardson is the rookie quarterback who's going to sit on the bench for probably an entire year. Well, he learns and gets ready because he's really talented, but really raw and not ready to play. When Trey Lance came out, I said, this guy's got potential to be an incredible quarterback, but he's not ready. He's going to have to sit and learn. But the physical tools are amazing. Trey Lance has amazing physical tools still, but they're not gone. He can run. He can run with power. He's got a massive arm. But he has to go somewhere and learn and grow as a quarterback. We haven't seen him. We don't really know what he can do. That's part of why no one wants to trade for him. But man, I I just hope that someday we can get a chance for Trey Lance to prove to the world what he can do. I don't know if that's, man, I, he would never get traded in division, but it looks like the Rams might be tanking and moving on from the situation they have there. I don't know where an opening could be soon for Trey Lance to play in the NFL. Maybe Washington to Sam Howell doesn't work out. Maybe Atlanta behind Desmond Ritter if Desmond Ritter doesn't work out. At some point soon, there's going to be quarterback openings in the NFL, and I would be very excited to see a team take a flyer on Trey Lance and say, let's see what we can do. We've seen teams, Atlanta and Washington, be patient with quarterbacks who didn't start initially, and I don't know why a team, when the need is there, eventually wouldn't trade for Trey Lance and say, hey, he's talented, he's physically gifted. Let's see what the young man can do. He's cheap. He's on a rookie contract. I would love to see that happen. I don't know that it's going to, but um, I'm really fascinated in the future of Trey Lance. He's the third string quarterback in his third year and a former number three overall pick. That's weird. That doesn't happen very often, but that's part of why this trade, the Trey Lance trade, you know, giving up three first round picks to go get him is one of the most one-sided trades in NFL history. Miami built a war chest, man. Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, their entire offense. Bradley Chubb, a good pass rusher, although probably overpaid. Still, Bradley Chubb alone has provided more to the Miami Dolphins than Trey Lance has provided in San Francisco. It's, it's, just, it's really sad. It's like, oh my gosh. I have a lot of questions. What happens if Trey Lance's ankle doesn't get hurt week two against Seattle last year? Does Trey Lance develop and become the franchise quarterback? We never would have seen Brock Purdy play, probably. It's possible they would have benched him and gone back to Jimmy Garoppolo if he wasn't good. I don't know. I don't like that we never got to find out how good or not Trey Lance is. That's really the shame here. I think he's talented. He's got physical gifts that are incredible. And we've never seen him. He played week one last year in a game that, if I remember correctly, was like this insane mud It was raining like, Cats and dogs. I don't know how you throw the football in that kind of condition. The field, go look up videos. I believe I'm right. Let me, let me, I want to make sure I'm right about this. I think last year that game was just an insane rainbow. 49ers, Bears, week one. This game, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Okay. Look, the, the, I'm not going to show you my phone. That feels like a risky move. <laughs> but the, literally the thumbnail for N- the NFL YouTube channel of this game is, The Bears sliding in the mud in victory, like sliding through like hydroplaning over the turf through the grass. It's not a game that allowed Trey Lance to highlight his ability as a passer. It was just an insane, muddy, wet, rainy game. So we've never seen, we've never really gotten to see what Trey Lance can do. I don't even care whether he's good or not. I hate that I don't know. I hate that nobody knows. Maybe the 49ers know something we don't. But man, I'd love to see this young man get another shot somewhere else and maybe turn out to some be something good. I don't know. I I just I love that idea. I'm trying to think of teams that might need a quarterback soon. Maybe New Orleans with Derek Carr. Maybe Tampa with Baker Mayfield. That's kind of up in the air. Maybe Miami could trade for Trey Lance, and uh, when they're not ready, when they're ready to move on from Kirk Cousins, maybe he's the guy next. I don't know. Uh, but it, I, it seems like a shame that a guy who has so much talent and potential is sitting on the bench unused. Maybe he's awful. Maybe he's a terrible quarterback. I don't know. But it's weird. We've never seen him. It's weird. It makes sense. But so many things had to go the way they went in order for him to never have gotten a shot to play. The plan was for him to sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo as a rookie year. That made sense. But then year two, a, a insane wet game. Three throws into his second start in the NFL, he breaks his ankle out for the year, and you're like, we'll never know. Brock Purdy becomes a starting quarterback. If Brock Purdy hadn't been good, we'd be back to Trey Lance week one this year. Now he's third behind Sam Darnold. It's it's so bizarre. It's a weird scenario, um, and I, I'm just—I would love to see the guy—you know, he's a perfect Madden quarterback. I don't play the new Maddens. I'm stuck on Madden Eleven. I love Madden Eleven. It's my favorite game of all time. I've talked about it before. I use the quarterback. I use Pat White out of West Virginia. He's amazing. But that's a guy, Trey Lance. That's a Madden quarterback right there. He can run with power. He can throw the ball anywhere. That sounds like a lot of fun. And it's it's weird. A guy that's so talented, we may never see him again. Like we may. I I hope he starts another game in the NFL at some point. There's not a lot of openings throughout the throughout the NFL. Maybe the Giants trade for him. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? They gave Daniel Jones basically a two-year contract with an out. What if man I've never— That's a fun thought, isn't it? Brian Dable designing an offense behind, you know, around Trey Lance's skill set. Daniel Jones starts for a while until Trey Lance is ready. I think Trey Lance has more potential than Daniel Jones, you know? But what a thought. I don't know. I'm just trying to shoehorn away. How can we get Trey Lance onto the field? I don't know. And I I hope we do at some point because it would be so exciting to see it. Good or bad, it's a science experiment. I want to see that science experiment play out. All right. Uh, the rumor is that if the LA Rams are having a bad year or the year starts to go sideways, they could start rebuilding. You know, the Rams... Ha- You know, they basically mortgaged their future to win a Super Bowl. They paid a lot of stars, a lot of money, built this crazy team. They won a Super Bowl. And now since then, they've been paying for, literally paying, both on the field and off the field and financially, um, the ramifications of building a team the way they did, mortgaging their future to win a Super Bowl. They basically, it feels like they bought a Super Bowl. And it worked. They won a Super Bowl. So the Rams should never have any regrets for the moves they made, or the ways they're paying for that Super Bowl now. But one of the rumors that have come out is that the Rams are open to trading Aaron Donald. If the year goes sideways and they're going to rebuild, one of the contracts they're comfortable getting rid of is Aaron Donald. And, oh boy, uh, I, that's an interesting idea. You know where I'd like to see Aaron Donald go? The New England Patriots. Playing for Bill Belichick, a guy who coached Reggie White, and Vince Wilfork, I'd love to see Aaron Donald be the center of that Patriots defense. That's an exciting thought to me. I mean, he could fit in anywhere. Literally any team you plug Aaron Donald on is an exciting, really cool thought. But I, I like the idea of Bill Belichick, a guy who's... He's a... Man, he's a defensive line coach, really. Like, he's a genius. I've watched him coach at the Shrine Bowl, work with defensive linemen. I, I want to see that guy. Like, I want to see... Bill Belichick work with Aaron Donald. That's such an exciting, fun thought. I don't think they would trade away. I don't think the Patriots would make a trade to go get that Aaron Donald contract. Although, now that I say that, Bill Belichick is never going to make a big, splashy move. He's just not. But if there ever was a time for Bill Belichick to break the mold and do something out of left field and do something very un-Belichick-like, You know who he would trade for? A defensive lineman. That's the kind of move he would make. He's like, I don't need the flashy receiver. not going to trade a lot of money for the quarterback. But the guy who worked with, you know, Reggie White and, gosh, Vince Wilfork, he might make a move to go get Aaron Donald. I don't think so. But if there ever was a time for Belichick to make a wild move, that's the one, and that excites me to think about. Apparently, though, also, on the conversation of the Rams, apparently— the Rams tried to trade away quarterback Matthew Stafford this offseason. It's kind of surprising, interesting. You know, they traded for him. They won a Super Bowl. Last year, he gets hurt. It was kind of, eh, kind of mediocre before then. And really what was happening is L.A. wanted to avoid paying the massive contract they gave to Matthew Stafford. What's really funny, though, we're talking about the Rams potentially rebuilding, right? Resetting their organization. Part of why Matthew Stafford wanted to get away from the Detroit Lions is he didn't want to do a rebuild again. He's like, look, I've, I've been rebuilding in Detroit for years. I don't want to rebuild another organization. Get me out of Detroit onto a winning football team. Well, entering year three in LA, the Rams might be rebuilding <laughs> very soon. And Year three for Jared Goff and the Lions, they look like a team that could make the playoffs and win their division, the NFC North. What a fun juxtaposition, right? Former Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford is going to probably have to watch the Lions make the playoffs this year. He might be sitting at home in January when that happens. (laughs) What What a bunch of irony, man. I love What a weird, interesting world we live in. Does Matthew Stafford go to that game? Is that weird if Matthew Stafford goes to a Lions game to cheer for the Lions in the playoffs and what if they lose does he get blamed for the loss? I have so many thoughts. I love I love that timeline that like work out that way. And here's another interesting question. If I don't know who would have traded for Matthew Stafford. Maybe Tampa? They didn't have, they lost Tom Brady they needed a new quarterback. Who else needed a quarterback this offseason? There weren't a lot of openings, really. Maybe the Colts trade for Matthew Stafford, but they did not want another aging veteran quarterback between Philip Rivers, Jacoby Rissett, uh gosh, Nick Foles, Ful- uh, no, not Nick Foles, Carson Wentz. Um, the list goes on. I mean, the, the Colts have tried over and over again to bring in a veteran quarterback. Matt Ryan's the one I was trying to remember the name of. They're not going to bring in another veteran quarterback. The Colts weren't going to make a move to go get Matthew Stafford. Who else would trade for him? Maybe the Raiders were in the conversation for Matthew Stafford. Maybe the Rams called New Orleans to see if they wanted Matthew Stafford. But nobody seemed to have wanted Matthew Stafford. Nobody wanted that contract. However, it makes me wonder, what was the plan? If the Rams had been able to get rid of Matthew Stafford, what were they going to do? Who was going to be their quarterback? Would they have tried to keep Baker Mayfield? Probably. They got to work with Baker at the end of the year. It was a feel-good story of the season towards the end. As the year was waning, we knew who was getting into the playoffs and who wasn't. Sean McVay, the Rams head coach, was contemplating leaving coaching to go to broadcasting. He seemed bored and tired. Baker Mayfield gave new life to Sean McVay, the Rams head coach. Made it exciting and fun again. And uh, I believe... If the Rams could have found a way to offload the contract and offload Matthew Stafford, get rid of him, Baker would be the starting quarterback week one in LA this season. And that's an interesting thought. I think Sean McVay loved working with Baker Mayfield, which is actually, in a weird way, kind of a a positive story about Baker Mayfield. For the first time in a while, I'm able to say, hey, this guy worked with Baker Mayfield and went very well, and he liked him, and everything ended happy. Because it didn't end well with Hugh Jackson, it didn't end well with Kevin Stefanski. He got, you know, let go by the Panthers. So we got a track record of people working with Baker Mayfield and not having a good time, and not going well. Sean McVeigh liked him; they they worked well together. Interesting stuff, man. I think that we're going to see a lot of quarterback movement soon. I don't I don't know what that means exactly. Is that two years from now? Is that I don't know. I know that right now, this is a a wild thing that doesn't feel real, but it is true. The longest tenured quarterback in the NFL right now is Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. He's the quarterback who's been with his team the longest. That that feels wrong, doesn't it? But it's true. (laughs) You're like, what? Dak's becoming a veteran quarterback. I, I guess that's what happens, right? Every... New, you know, young players get older and old players become veteran quarterbacks. And you're like, wow, I guess Dak Prescott is kind of a veteran. Weird. Very bizarre. And Aaron Rodgers is the last of his era, really. You know, it's Aaron Rodgers. I would throw Matthew Stafford kind of close to that. Drew Brees is gone. Tom Brady's gone. Manning's gone. Long gone. Ben Roethlisberger's gone. We're entering a new era of quarterbacks where we're patient, they're younger, they're faster. And I, I don't know where Matthew Stafford fits in in today's NFL. He's expensive. He can't move around. He gets hurt often. At least, he's gotten hurt in the past. He's got, I don't know if hurt often is fair. He's got a history of getting injured. And huh, I don't see a lot of openings around the NFL. I'm curious if Derek Carr is going to make it through his old contract. I'm curious if Daniel Jones makes it the end of his contract. Does Desmond Ritter become the guy in Atlanta? kirk cousins is another question mark those are the only quarterbacks i can think of right now that are kind of on the hot seat stafford daniel jones although he signed a contract we'll see how long he lasts Derek carr's got a lot to prove kirk cousins feels like he could leave eventually soon i don't know man i would i'd love to hear feedback who who thinks there are a quarter what quarterbacks do you think could be on the move soon cuz I there's not a lot a lot of a lot of quarterbacks around the NFL are young guys who just got to their team. They're in year 2 or 3. Um Baker Mayfield's got a lot to prove in Tampa, but I I think it's I don't know whether Baker Mayfield's going to work or not in Tampa. But I'll tell you this. There is no better situation for Baker Mayfield to be in than Tampa. He's never going to play on a better roster. Although I I thought that about Cleveland too, so who knows? Who who knows with Baker Mayfield? But what they did with Sean McVay and the Rams and Baker Mayfield, that seemed to work really well. And I, I did not enjoy watching Bayf- Baker Mayfield leave LA. That was like, ah, oh, we have something good there, and we're not going to continue it. Okay, all right. Um, I want to give a shout out to a content creator who, now that I, I, you know, I've been thinking about guests a lot. Um, Care Bear Kieran, if you want to come on the show, literally ever, reach out. You're, you're like awesome. I like your content. He makes um, like shorts and TikToks and really, really entertaining, like short form content. Basically the exact opposite of me. I sit down and talk for like an hour. He sits down and goes crazy for like 60 seconds and it's really good. And we could not be more opposite as content creators. But I, I, I like that his strength is the opposite of mine. And that's really interesting. And he's, he's passionate clearly about sports. He has a lot of fun to watch. I should try to get him on the show. That'd be a fun, fun guest. However, here's where I want to go with this. The reason why I brought up Care Bear Kieran is if you ever feel bad about the United States being terrible at soccer or terrible in the World Cup, Kieran posted something that was really fun on social media. He made a list of what he would do if if he could create his own World Cup team, his own soccer team from the best athletes in America. Like, imagine football doesn't exist. Imagine basketball doesn't exist or baseball doesn't exist. A lot of other sports around the world globally, the number one sport is soccer. They're not distracted by American football. Nobody plays baseball uh, in, how do I, in, in Europe, certainly. People do, but not much. The number one sport in Europe, in Africa, South America, It's soccer. Your best athletes play soccer. That's their number 1 sport. We're kind of unique in America. Our best athletes do not play soccer like ever. Um, it happens more often in women's soccer. Here is the track record for the women's US national team. They won the, nas- the the World Cup in 1991. The US women's won the World Cup in 1999. They were the third place team in 2003 and 2007. The U.S. women's national team was the runner-up in 2011. And then in 2015 and 2019, the women won the World Cup. So when we put our best athletes out there in women's sports, the United States women's team dominates the World Cup when it comes to soccer. But we don't put our best male athletes out there to play soccer. Here's what Kieran came up with. If, if, If we lived in a world where the United States' number one sport was soccer and our best athletes played soccer, Here's the team that Care Bear Kieran came up with. LeBron James at goalie. Then a bunch of positions I don't know because I don't know soccer, but he had Derrick Henry, Micah Parsons, Jalen Ramsey, Javon Diggs, Minka Fitzpatrick, Steph Curry, Lamar Jackson, John Morant, Odell Beckham Jr., who apparently was a soccer prodigy, Tyreek Hill, literally the fastest man alive. Like, that's amazing. I never thought about it that way. I've always felt bad. Like, hey, we suck at soccer, don't we? Well, no, it's because our best athletes don't play soccer. Our best athletes are playing football or basketball, baseball, other stuff. It made me feel better. I'm like, oh, next time the World Cup comes around and people are talking smack about how America sucks, I'll go, yeah, we suck for other reasons, but um, our best athletes don't even play this sport. And we're, (laughs) you know, it's it's like, I don't even feel guilty anymore. It's like, yeah, we get American football because LeBron James isn't wasting his time playing goalie we get basketball because lamar james is doing that lamar jackson's playing football not soccer but yeah think about it what, what would happen if lamar jackson played soccer tyreek hill are you kidding me if they'd spent their lives focusing on soccer not football i'm sure they would have been amazing so care bear kieran thank you um, for making me feel better about american soccer i've always just kind of sandbagged it felt like ah, oh, we suck we're terrible We do suck, and we are terrible, but part of it's because we're not focusing on it. Like, our best athletes are just not going to the table. And so when anyone talks smack from another country about how bad American soccer is, say, yeah, but that's because LeBron James doesn't play soccer. It's because Lamar Jackson and Tyreek Hill are playing football, not soccer. I don't know. Gave me some perspective that I liked. Thanks, Kieran. All right, uh, we're going to read some questions from Patreon. Then I'm going to end the show by talking about baseball. I did that intentionally because, frankly, like, I know that not everyone's here for baseball. But I, I think I tell a good story. I think we got some interesting stuff related to baseball. However, if you want to opt out at the end, you can. First, though, if you want submit, to submit questions on Patreon, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach dot patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. It's a dollar a month. Please do support me. You can donate more if you want to. It literally helps pay my rent. Patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I do look at every single question with my eyeballs, and I pick the top couple to read on the show. But we're reading a lot. We read like, we're averaging like 20 a week, which is pretty good. So, I love this part of the show. Let's jump in. Brandon writes in first. And Brandon, tip of the cap, I love the way you introduced this question. It says, Count Zacula, what's up? Thank you, Brandon, for getting creative. Hey, people out there, get creative. Let's have some fun with this. I want that to be a fun part of this show. Count Zacula, what's up? Hope all is well. My question for you is, if Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter do well this year, do you think it will start the trend of waiting later in the draft to draft your future franchise guy Instead of using a first-round pick, do you think they'll actually do well, or are they just placeholders till the actually franchise guy is signed or drafted? Thank you and welcome back. Good to be back, Brandon. Um, you're asking the right question. Um, is Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter are they placeholders, just there to you know be the figurehead until Atlanta and Washington can get a better quarterback, or? Are they, in fact, the franchise quarterback of their respective football teams? I, I don't know. I, that's kind of what they got to prove this year, isn't it? Like, I, I can't tell you that. I don't know. That's the fun of watching football this fall is figuring out how good is Desmond Ritter. How good is Sam Howell? My prediction is Sam Howell is going to be probably pretty okay. Pretty solid. Not, not amazing, but he's going to run that offense at a high level. And we'll talk about it in the next question, actually why. Desmond Ritter is more like Alex Smith or Kirk Cousins. He's going to be okay. He's not going to be a huge playmaker. I don't think he's going to make a ton of mistakes. I don't think I don't think he's going to be put in a position to make a lot of mistakes. Atlanta is going to play safe, run the football a ton, and they're not going to ask a lot of Desmond Ritter. So... Um, are they placeholders or the future? I don't know. That's part of the fun. We'll find out this fall. Now, could Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell, if they both work out, are they going to change the perspective of the entire NFL? Are are teams going to start drafting franchise quarterbacks later than the first round? Like, hey, uh, you know, we think this guy's our franchise quarterback. Let's wait till the third round to draft him. Is that going to happen? Never. (laughs) Never. And I wouldn't advise that. If you really think this guy's your franchise quarterback, you got to draft him. Don't wait. Don't risk losing him. Quarterback is too important to wait until later in the draft. If you really believe in a guy, no matter how crazy people think you are or not, go get him. Um, What could happen perspective-wise in the NFL, though? What could change because of Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter? It could mean more patience throughout the NFL, though. It could mean teams giving later draft picks more of a shot. We could see more opportunities of guys, hey, this guy was a third-round pick. He's been in our building. He's done well. And we could either, you know, make a crazy trade. Well, First of all, let's back up. Atlanta and uh, Washington were kind of, they weren't the worst teams in the NFL last year. You know, they they were good teams. So they were, they were bad teams, but not horrible teams. So they were kind of, Middle of the pack. Had some injuries. They were a quarterback away. But for them to get really the best quarterbacks in the draft, they would have had to make a really big trade to move up and go get them. Very similar to what we saw a couple years ago when the 49ers traded three first-round picks to go get Trey Lance. And that's a risky move. You're mortgaging a lot of your future to go get a quarterback. That's not a good trade. We The Trey Lance trade didn't work for the 49ers. So would you have rather... Washington or, or Atlanta have done that, trade away their future to go get CJ Stroud or, or Anthony Richardson, probably more likely cuz, you know, they weren't getting the number one or two pick from those those, you know, from Carolina or um, Houston. Would you rather see a team you know, how do I how do I say this? Trading up is a risk and we saw we've seen teams move up we saw teams move up in this draft but if you got a guy who you think's okay and you're like let's take a risk and see if this guy works he's cheaper a we're paying him less but b we don't have to trade away a bunch of first-round mix to move up and go get Bryce Young go get Trey Lance I like that approach and if Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter work we could see teams copy that when you know, the Detroit Lions, if they don't like Jared Goff, let's say Jared Goff doesn't work out. They drafted Hendon Hooker, the quarterback out of Tennessee in the third round. Maybe that's a team that goes, hey, we could we could trade up and go get whatever quarterbacks available in two years. Or we got Hendon Hooker, who's been in our franchise for two years. He's solid. We like him. We know him. He knows our system. Let's not make a crazy, splashing move. Let's go see what happens because it worked out with Desmond Ritter. That, that approach worked out with Sam Howell. I think that's the way that these decisions could echo throughout the NFL as teams being a little more conservative rather than making big, splashy trades and giving away a ton of money to quarterbacks because, um, you know, the Raiders were tired of Derek Carr's expensive, massive contract. The L.A. Rams tried to trade away Matthew Stafford because they didn't want to pay him $59 million a year. Kirk Cousins is overpaid. Dak Prescott is overpaid. The amount of money you're giving a quarterback does matter. I know the salary cap's going up, but you can't pay a mediocre quarterback top quarterback money. That's not smart. It hurts your franchise. And so the result of what is going to happen with Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter could be the team say, hey, there's a cheaper option here. Rather than mortgaging our future or paying a ton of money to an average guy, if we're going to have an average quarterback – he might as well be cheap. So let's let's have Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter instead. Hendon Hooker. Guys like that. Guys who are later in the draft who developed and had time. I think that's the way that this plays out. I want to look something up. What did Carolina trade? I want to be clear about this. Carolina Panthers. I want to see the Bears. Yes. The, so uh, the Bears traded out of the top spot. Yes, but what did what did they give up? DJ Moore. Okay. The Bears got in the trade. So here's what the Carolina Panthers traded away to go get Bryce Young at the number one overall pick. They gave up the number nine overall pick, the number 61 overall pick, their 2024 first round pick, their 2025 second round pick, and wide receiver DJ Moore. That's a lot. Two first round picks, a second round pick, uh and uh, two second round picks really to 61 that's (laughs) the first two rounds are 64 picks so um yeah two second round picks two first round picks and wide receiver would you rather seen Washington give up two first round picks two second round picks and Curtis Samuel or Terry McLaurin to go get Bryce Young or maybe not give away your future keep Terry McLaurin keep you're good players. Keep your future and stick with Sam Howell, who might actually be okay. I, I like what Washington did. Do not trade your future when you got a guy who might be okay. He might not be. Sam Sam Howell might suck, but that's the risk you run. And the benefit is if Sam Howell is garbage this year, guess what? You got your first round pick still. You're going to have a high draft pick. Go get a quarterback. It's, it's totally possible. But I, I like I you know I'm I'm surprised by this cuz I've always really liked when teams make big splashy moves but I'm seeing the money teams are giving out to these quarterbacks and man a lot of them are not worth the money I think they're getting. And I I just talked earlier in the show about the 49ers trading away three first round picks to go get Trey Lance who's done nothing to help the organization. So, um with that perspective in mind, I think Washington and Atlanta did the right thing. No crazy trades, no moving up. I love it. I have really, I'm surprised by that. It could go badly and then you got to draft a quarterback next year. But can you imagine if, if Desmond Ritter is absolutely garbage and Atlanta gets the first overall pick and they draft Caleb Williams, hallelujah, it's amazing. We got our quarter. It's low risk, high reward. It's cheap and it's, it could work out really well. So I really like what, sorry for my terrible singing. I don't know what that was. Uh, Anyway, let's move on to Davis's question. Davis writes in, Davis says this, Hey Zach, welcome back. I like that one. Hey Zach, welcome back. Kind of rhymes, kind of fun. An underappreciated story that hasn't had a huge airtime. Is Eric Biennemi went to Washington. What kind of record does Washington need to have for people to take Biennemi seriously as an offensive coordinator? and possible head coach. So Eric Bieniemy was the offensive coordinator in Kansas City. Won multiple Super Bowls with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, but unfortunately, Eric Bieniemy never really got a lot of credit. He was passed over as, um, he, he wasn't given an opportunity to be a head coach anywhere. And Andy Reid was given all the credit for the offense. Patrick Mahomes was given all the credit for the playmaking. Eric Bieniemy was a low man out. You know, he just didn't get the respect um, maybe he should have or maybe not uh, for the for the success on offense in Kansas City. It's an interesting move. I would have been fine with Eric bien never leaving Kansas City, saying, hey, I'm winning, I'm making good money, I got a stable career, I'm happy. I, I would have respected if Eric bien said, I'm going to stay in KC forever. I would have been totally, I would have respected that. He got health insurance. Making a lot of money, you're winning football games, you're having fun. I love that. However, um, when your heart wants something, you feel called and you want more, you gotta go get it. I, you're you're listening to a guy, me, Zach Shomler, who lives in Hawaii. I've moved here twice. I'm never leaving. You're gonna have to pull me out kicking and screaming if you ever want to get me a move out of Hawaii. I'm not leaving. It's where my heart wants to be. It's the best version of me. I'm happy. I'm home. I say that to say I've I've sacrificed a lot, multiple times now, to get myself here, to follow my heart. Because I knew no matter what I did, my heart was always going to want more. My heart was never going to be quite satisfied unless I was in the place I felt called to be. Eric Biennemi, I think, felt that way in Kansas City. He wanted more. He wants to run his own football team. Wants to be head coach. Wants more, you know, how do I even say this? more ability to have more ownership of the offense. In Washington, that's what he's going to get. He's going to run the offense in Washington. Ron DeVere's head coach. He's a defensive-minded head coach. Eric Bieniemy runs the offense. That's his side of the football. He's going to get credit, good or bad. He took a risk, definitely. But he listened to his heart, and I respect that. Here's another thing, though. Eric Bien-Aimé, you you said, Davis. What kind of record does Washington have to have for... Eric Bieniemy to get the credit he's deserved. He doesn't need to win at all. Eric Bieniemy does not need to win in Washington. He needs to have a good offense. If they score 40 points and lose every game, guess what's going to happen? Eric Biennium is going to become a head coach somewhere. He's going to look like a genius because he made Sam Howell, a second-year, fifth-round pick into a star. It's actually a great opportunity for... Eric the enemy to challenge himself and prove himself, which I think if you're any kind of competitive human, a challenge is not a thing to be scared of. It's fun. It's exciting. When you aren't sure what's going to happen, life is way more fun because you're fighting, you're scrapping, you're doing the best you can. Predetermined outcomes are horrible. And when you get in a rut where you're doing the same thing over and over again, it starts to feel hollow. When you're like, I, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but it's going to be fun. And I'm going to be challenged and have to grow a lot. That's that's where I, I love. I love living that way. Probably to my detriment, a little bit. <laughs> Eric, the enemy wanted that. He's like, look, I'm working with Patrick Mahomes. It's easy. It's fun. I'm winning. But I would imagine he's way more excited about the challenge of teaching Sam Howell, working with Sam Howell. And look, they got some good weapons in Washington. Running backs, Antonio Gibson, Bijan John Robinson. Receivers, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Titan, Logan Thomas. When you're being challenged, it's fun. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you guys something. I got offered an opportunity to buy a restaurant uh, a couple months ago. I, I would have 100% financed it, right? I, I didn't have the money to buy a restaurant. But someone was going to agree to give me ownership of their restaurant. I would pay them for 10 years and... I would run the restaurant and it was, I, I almost did it. You guys, it was on the Oregon coast. Would have been really fun. Would have been a challenge for sure. And as I was kind of getting my ducks in a row and, and getting ready to run this restaurant, I was like, man, you know, as much as this was going to be a fun challenge, cause I like challenging myself. I, and I, I thought, I, I think I could have figured it out. I probably could have made that. It was at a, I'm not going to explain to you. I know the restaurant industry is really hard, but it was a very successful business that the owner was 74 years old, getting ready to retire, and just they just needed someone else to run it and pay them money for 10 years so they could retire, or walk away. I I, I think I would have done very well. I believe it. I really believe that. But I realized, what kind of challenge do I want day to day, and where do I want to be? I want to be in Hawaii. I'd rather work for myself, which I would have kind of. But I like running this show. I, I like that I don't know. Where the show is going to go. It feels like it could go really cool places. I love that feeling. I would imagine it's very similar for Eric Bieniemy. He had kind of a sure bet, a guaranteed income for a long time in, in Kansas City. The same day I got offered a job, the uh, same day I got offered to buy the restaurant, I got offered a job doing air conditioning unit sales. You know how hard it is to sell an air conditioning unit in Oregon? Not very hard because the the climate's changing, and it's extremely cold, and then it gets like 110 degrees in the summer. It's the climate's fluctuating like crazy. All these houses don't have air conditioning; they need them. I can talk to people. I could have sold air conditioning units in Oregon. Believe I really believe that. Would have had health benefits. I, it was a good opportunity. Could have bought a restaurant. Could have bought or could have become a sale and air conditioning unit salesman, HVAC sales guy, basically selling furnaces and air conditioning units. Had both opportunities in front of me. And I chose the more risky one. I'm like, I'm going to go back to strong opinion sports. I'm going to build my business again. I'm going to put all this effort into doing something new. How about I do it for myself and do the thing I really want to do? I see a parallel with Eric B. Enemy. Eric B. Enemy said, I got a guaranteed really good thing here in Kansas City. But you know what? I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to prove to myself I can make it. I am going to try to succeed as an offensive coordinator. Without the help of Andy Reid, I'm going to try to teach a young quarterback who's unproven. And we're going to see what happens. It's a risk, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And when I think about it that way, Eric Bienemy, it makes me really respect that guy. You know, he he really did something, I, I think, a bit outside the box. I, I think a lot of people could have said, why are you leaving Kansas City? I think I, I, think I even said that like six months ago probably. I said— why would he ever leave Kansas City? It's got a good thing. Now I know why. Now I understand. It it when you're not sure what the outcome's going to be, life's a little more fun. It's a little more spicy. It's a little more interesting. Challenging yourself really really can be meaningful. And I am very much rooting for Eric Bieniemy. I know I've gone on this long rant here, but what does Eric Eric Bieniemy have to do in order to prove himself and become a head coach? He's got to score a lot of points and Sam Howell's got to look good. Although even if Sam Howell doesn't look good, I think he could still buy himself another here by saying, yeah, he was a fifth-round pick. It wasn't going to work. Now, give me a better quarterback. Let's see what we can do. I think he gets two years in Washington to prove himself. But man, am I rooting for Eric Bieniemy? you know? now When I when I frame it that way, that perspective of a guy leaving a good situation to take a risk and prove himself, <laughs> oh man, I hope he does well. I really, really hope Eric Bieniemy kills it. I'd love to see that, and uh, I'm rooting for that man eternally. Landon writes in, Landon says this. What's good, Zach? If you could interview any athlete or a person in the sports world that you haven't done before, who would you he says do, who would you do? Who would I interview? Who would I do is a totally different. I do Pat McAfee. What's up, Pat? Um <laughs> uh, I'm so I'm such a nerd. I'm, I'm in my stupid room, like just making jokes uh, that are not funny. Um <laughs> Who would i would love to interview—the uh, guys that are—I've got a short list. I can't name just one. Um, I'm really interested in, in people and players who had a dream that didn't work out. I'm so fascinated by that. Um, the the couple that come to mind are Jamarcus Russell, Johnny Menzel, Jimmy Clausen, uh, Mitchell Trubisky is another one, Blake Bortles. Failed quarterbacks, basically. And, and Ryan Leaf—I had Ryan Leaf on the show one time. He didn't like when I used that phrase— Failed quarterbacks. I maybe I got to come up with better language. I'm not sure. I think a little bit that's sensitivity. Oh, they didn't fail. It's like well, they didn't become franchise quarterbacks, and that's not a success. So I don't. I don't know. I I think it's a sensitive topic for for him and people that haven't succeeded to the way they wanted to. I didn't mean to offend Ryan Leaf, though. Um, Regardless, it's very interesting. I'd love to. Hey, Blake Bortles. He's rich. He's happy. I think I could get him to talk. and, And. At no risk to himself. He's made tons of money. He's secure financially. Jimmy Clausen's a really interesting one, though. Out of Notre Dame, drafted by Carolina, was thought to maybe become Carolina's franchise quarterback. It didn't work out. What kind of perspective does Johnny Manziel have? I I know some stories about Johnny Manziel that I've never said on the show that will blow your mind. Um, Stuff that I've been told in confidence that I would probably only ever share if I was across the table from Johnny Manziel and said, Hey, Johnny, can I ask you about this so we can cut it out if you don't want it? But I, I would. I, I think I think I could bring really interesting, cool stuff out of Johnny Mansell with questions that are not pointed questions, but are questions that are interesting, but asked in a kind way that allow him to open up comfortably rather than challenging him and getting in his face. I, I don't think you win that way. I think you you win by making people feel comfortable, caring for their heart, trying to just tell their story. Um. And there's a way to ask those questions in a in a way that doesn't hurt them and their career. Yeah, one guy who I think is, I don't know if, see, this is why I got to reword it. I don't know if failed quarterbacks the right way to put this because it's a bit harsh. It's a bit, it's not exactly giving people the message that allows them to hear it. But quarterbacks who didn't meet their expectations. Max Brown's one. You know, he was a quarterback at USC, lost his job to Sam Darnold. Went to Pittsburgh, was pretty good, then got hurt. He never really got to, to, to have a a real shot at the NFL that's your elite 11 elite 11 MVP Gatorade player of the year didn't really do anything in the NFL and that's that's definitely I think a, a a felt like a failure to Max Brown uh him and I' have talked a bit behind the scenes I should have him on the show I think that that's a realistic guest I might be able to get I mean I don't know why I couldn't get why not Jamarcus Russell or Johnny Manziel? I'll fly to Johnny wherever he is I'll go find him I'd love to talk to him I want to talk about Max Brown, but Max Brown said something the other day that really, really helped me. It made me realize I had to adjust my framing of the world. When you're an athlete, 27 is your prime. Like 27 is the best years of your life. And after that, 27 is probably all downhill <laughs> to some degree from then on. And I, my whole life, I felt like, oh man, I missed like the peak years of my life. I'm, I'm 26. I I'm, will I'm turn 27 next year in March. And I'm I'm, I feel like I should be peaking, but I'm not because all the athletes are and I'm not. And I'm, Max Brown said something. He said, hey, when you're in business, it's more like 37. When you're 27 in business, you're a baby. You're still learning. No one, no one's going to listen to you until you're like 35. I'm like, oh, 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 wow. That, that's a way more kind timetable to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. My body's not going to break down so bad I can't do podcasts at 34 years old. No, no. I got years of this to go. I could go, my prime's probably going to be 37 to 57 in podcast land. So Max Brown said something that helped me. And uh, maybe you're a former athlete. You need to hear that too. But Max Brown, love to have you on the show and uh, rooting for you in life. Tim wrote in on Patreon. Tim said this, hey, Zach, last year, the Patriots offense was atrocious. Matt Patricia, a defensive coach, being the offensive coordinator was a huge reason for this. Yeah, that was bizarre and weird. But my question for you is, how much of it was Mac Jones' fault? I still believe in him, and I don't see how a game manager quarterback is supposed to succeed without a competent offensive plan. But a lot of people look at last year and have concluded that Mac Jones is not the guy. I'm personally very excited to see him work with offensive genius Bill O'Brien as offensive coordinator this year. What do you think? Do we have a reason to be optimistic about Mac Jones? Guys, it's, it's really hard to judge Mac Jones on last year. I think this year we're really going to see what Mac Jones can do. I, I think it's reasonable to believe he could succeed. Mac Jones is a quarterback that with help, he's not going to run around, run for 50 yards, extend a lot of plays with his legs. He's he's an immobile quarterback who's going to have to sit in the pocket and win with good decisions and good play design. He didn't have good play design last year. He didn't have a good plan, in my opinion. Um, and so for him to be in his third year in the NFL, meaning he's a veteran by this point, not a veteran, but he certainly knows what he's doing. He's seen everything he probably, you know, probably can see. He's got a legitimately good offensive coordinator. I, I'm excited. I think there's no reason to not believe in Mac Jones. That's a double negative. You have reason to believe Mac Jones is going to do better this year than last year, um, given he's. Hmm, my, my camera just turned off. I'm not sure why. Let me. Oh, oh, it's back on. Very weird. Must have overheated. I'm not sure what happened, but I'm gonna. We're back recording. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna like leave that in. The screen's gonna go black on YouTube. It's gonna be very confusing and funny. Uh, we got good reason to believe in Mac Jones again. Quarterback in his third year with Bill O'Brien, a, a legitimately good offensive coordinator, a guy I, I really like, and I've seen him coach live now in person. He's awesome. Um, and so, I, yeah, I I don't think there's any reason to doubt Mac Jones. And I don't think it's fair to judge Mac Jones on last year. All right, Samuel writes in. Samuel says, Hey, Zach, first of all, so superly... Whoa, that's superly. Hey, Zach, first of all, so super incredibly glad the show is back. Missed it so much. I know you haven't done a lot of fantasy football, but if you had the number one pick in a fantasy league this year, who would you take? Also wondering if you were still planning on doing SOS, the, the SOS fantasy league. I was really looking forward to it. So, um... I've read this question from Sam for this reason. I have no idea who I would draft in fantasy football. Like, I don't know. I don't even... I think running backs are probably a safe bet because running backs generate a lot of points. I have I have never in my entire life followed fantasy football. I don't really understand how it works. I have an idea to do a strong opinion sports fantasy football league with a couple people from Patreon and... My idea is to do a weekly show documenting my experience doing fantasy football for the first time. I don't know that I'm going to like it. I, I have no idea. I think it could be fun content to make though. Like that's, I want to have fun making content. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. And I'm actually calling Sam, the very Sam who wrote in to the show. Sam and I are getting on the phone Wednesday morning, uh, Wednesday afternoon, his time is on the East Coast. And we're talking about doing a Patreon fantasy football league. So um, that's... The reason I read this as as a tease, to tease future content, really. Um I know nothing about fantasy football. I have no idea. But um I think it's interesting. And I think I think that's a fun idea to do a show about me learning and failing and having fun and telling stories and sharing my thought process as fantasy with fantasy football. I think that could be a lot of fun. And so um, I think that's interesting content. I'm curious what you guys think, but I think that would be a fun thing to do. Like, a week, so I, I have Wednesdays off with my current schedule. On Wednesdays, I'd sit down and record and put out a fantasy football episode, talking about my decision making week to week, who I'm starting and what I'm, what I'm, who I'm bringing on and all. I don't even know how it works. I, I don't know almost anything about fantasy football other than um, that it makes people reduce humans down to numbers, which I don't really love. But um, I, I want to. I want to understand. Um, I think the best way to to do this, maybe to explain this, is I, uh, I'm i not a religious guy. I used to be. I'm not. Um, before I moved to Hawaii, one of my last Sundays in the Portland, Oregon area, I, I went to a church. Um, I'm not a religious guy. I don't um, know what I believe. I'm very agnostic. Like, peacefully, like, I I don't know what I don't know, and I have a lot of peace about that, and... I don't mean to bring up religion at all. But my point is, I went to church just because I was curious. Like, hey, a lot of people get something out of this. I want to go see what it's like. And I had a good time. I really did. I was like, oh, wow. You know, despite all my baggage, um, I went to Bridgetown at Jesus Church, downtown Portland, Oregon. Music was banging. It was awesome. Like, what a, what a great worship set. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, okay, you know what? I, I get why people attend this. It helps me understand why people do what they do and i want to do the same thing with fantasy football i want to understand it and i think the only way to understand something fully is to just do it to do it to make content about it that sounds like a lot of fun to me so um let me know if you think that's an interesting idea or a terrible idea uh write in please i would love to hear it but i i have a list of i think 10 people for the fantasy football league I don't know that there's openings, but you can write in and try. I, I do have people I'm going to reach out to and see if they're still interested. They were in the spring when I threw this idea out there. Um, but yeah, that sounds like a fun weekly show, a weekly fantasy football show. Just me documenting and talking through my decision-making process running a fantasy football team. How long have we been going on today, guys? Okay, we've been going on exactly an hour. Um, I have two more stories to talk about today. Three more. Oh man, um, I'm gonna do one more story today because I think I'm gonna cover it kind of poorly today, and then we'll circle back and cover it again later. Uh, these are the baseball stories. I'm gonna cut them out. We'll revisit them on Thursday Th- when we cover the supplemental draft. We'll also cover um, the MLB draft and actually, no, we got to do it today. Let's just let's just finish the show with these because I don't I don't want them to age and get useless and. Uh, we're going to do like 10 more minutes of the show and have, have fun with it or don't. No. But I actually want to start by talking about the NBA, the National Basketball Association. Um, the NBA had a thing called, I think it was NBA Con, something like that, like some kind of convention for basketball. And uh, at that, League Commissioner Adam Silver announced a new NBA in-season tournament. Um, I am very curious whether this is going to work or not or be interesting or not. It's very similar to what European soccer does, having like an in-season tournament for your teams. I'll tell you what. I have not watched the NBA All-Star game since about, you know, Kobe's generation of basketball. Kobe made it interesting. Kobe fought. He was hard. He was really trying. I love that. After Kobe retired, um, the All-Star game just kind of fell apart and wasn't interesting. I'm way more interested in a regular season tournament than I am in the All-Star game. I'm not going to watch Elster game. You're never going to get me back. I There's no defense play. It's not interesting. No one's trying. Everyone's trying to avoid injuries. But having an in-season tournament that I think is going to count towards regular season standings, where players have incentive to try as well as getting uh, financial bonuses for winning, like $500,000 if you win, $200,000 if you lose the tournament, uh, I think $100,000 for the quarterfinals or the semifinals or whatever it is. I... That's there's financial incentive, and it does count towards your regular season standings as far as I understand. That's why I want to follow this up and cover it again on Thursday. But let's get it out there, cover it maybe okay, and I'll do more research and try to follow up and do better for Thursday. But uh, what's going to happen is the NBA is going to split up into six groups, three groups in the West, three groups in the East, and then during November and December, so November 3rd, 14th, 17th, 10th. 21st 24th and 28th all through november like spread out a long way through november we lost the camera again i don't know what's happening i just gonna finish the show so throughout november the the tournament's gonna take place that's it feels really spread out more you know from the third till the 28th dates all sporadically every about four days there's a game feels like a wide margin i don't know how that's going to impact or affect things or not then the quarterfinals are December 4th and 5th. The semifinals are December 7th. And the championship is December 9th. So, beginning of November through December 9th, there's going to be an NBA tournament. I don't know if there are other regular season games going on. I think there are as well. Here's what I know about this I don't know if the players are going to be interested. I don't know how you get the players to care. But I will say I don't really watch basketball in November and December. I tune in about the time of the NBA Finals and the playoffs every year. By the by, the playoffs I love it. I'm interested. Early season basketball, October, November, December, even I'm like I don't care. I'm not interested. This might draw me to the TV. That's what I'm thinking here. Is hey, this tournament is a smart idea that might suck me in, and I'm, I'm curious how it's going to work out. I want to learn more details and really learn even more about how it all works. Now. Over the weekend, the MLB draft uh, first round happened, and the top two picks were teammates in college at LSU. The number one overall pick to the Pittsburgh Pirates was pitcher Paul Skeens, and the number two overall pick, uh, Washington, picked Dylan Cruz, also from LSU. And by the way, Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, these sound like made-up names on MLB The Show, but um, these are real people who were really drafted to Major League Baseball. But here's a cool story about these two people, the reason why I'm talking about them on the show. Dylan Cruz first, and that's crew like crew cut, C-R-E-W-S, Cruz, not Cruz like C-R-U-Z. Dylan Cruz's first college home run was actually hit off of Paul Skeens. Paul Skeens started his career pitching for Air Force, actually, at the Air Force Academy. And after his sophomore year, he transferred to LSU to be able to go to the Major League Baseball Um to be able to go play Major League Baseball after college, because if he'd stayed any longer at the Air Force Academy, he would have had to do mandatory service after college. And uh, potentially, at some point, he would have had to do mandatory service. And it's possible they could have cut his MLB opportunities short by keeping him out of Major League Baseball, sending him to the military early. So he got out early. And by leaving uh, before his junior year, he does not have to do mandatory service, which... Um, is a smart thing. Like, he used the Air Force Academy to get onto a Division I baseball stage, played really well, um, and he's spoken very respectfully about the Air Force Academy. He liked it. It was a huge part of his development. I think he's afraid of looking like a... You know, I know a friend who almost dropped out of the Naval Academy. They didn't, and they're glad they didn't because it looks bad. If you're in the Navy and you dropped out and you find a way to do ROTC and stay in, it's, it's not a good look. So I think he has a bit of... Um, I don't know if he does or not, but he's talked about it very respectfully and humbly about the Air Force Academy. It was good for me. I loved it. This was simply me trying to get to Major League Baseball, and I knew if I stayed at the Air Force Academy, there might be a chance they could pull this opportunity away from me. Um, Supposedly, he talks about maybe even doing service after his MLB career, going and joining the Air Force again. I don't know if he's going to do that or not. It's hard to imagine a guy who's a millionaire pitcher in baseball would do that, but I mean, if he fails out, he'll always have an opportunity in the Air Force. And I'm just very fascinated by that. Um, If you have a degree, by the way, and you're not sure what to do, the Air Force, um, go become an officer and they will set you up. I have a lot of friends who have done that and it's great for them. So anyway, um, I like this connection. Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz, the number one and two pick in Major League Baseball, teammates at LSU. And they've got an even weirder connection that goes back farther. Dylan Cruz's first home run in college, he hit off of his former teammate when LSU played against Air Force years ago. And I love that. It's so weird and and fun and interesting. All right, let's end the show today with this. Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz, I love this guy. He's a Cincinnati Reds shortstop, 21 years old, 6'5. He is un believable. If you haven't heard of or watched anything about Ellie De La Cruz yet, you really should. It's a lot of fun. He is phenomenal. I love this kid. The other day, in one inning, in the span of two pitches, he stole second base, then he stole third base, and then he stole home. Go watch the video. It's incredible. It's really fun. Also, he's been in the news a lot recently. Against Washington, a couple, like a week ago now, he had this thing called the blast knob at the end of his bat, which is, a blast knob has a sensor uh, that allows you to gather metrics while you're hitting in batting practice and hitting in the uh, batting cages and stuff like that. It's from Diamond Kinetics, and I say that intentionally because I, I think it's cool that this allowed them to get promotion, which is really interesting. Shout out to Diamond Kinetics. But against Washington, Ellie De La Cruz, this young fun phenom in baseball, has on the end of his bat, underneath his hand, a thing called a blast knob, a little plastic piece on the end of his bat and in there is a sensor normally he took a sensor out apparently because you're not supposed to have a sensor while you play baseball but he had the plastic you know i can't remember the word here like the soft plastic on the end of the bat because he liked it for comfort and in the second inning he got re- he got in trouble they removed it by the fifth inning they're like yeah actually there's nothing illegal about this there's no sensor in there it's it's fine and he came back in the fifth inning with it on hit a home run, and then pointed at this little thing as, yeah, it's great. There was a lot of drama there. Baseball people are annoying. They're old and stuck in their ways. But here's why it doesn't matter. Here is why it's not a problem Ellie De La Cruz had his blast knob, this little thing in the end of his bat. There's no sensor in it. But B, why would he have it? If there's no competitive advantage, why would he have it on his bat? People are trying to under- explain this. Here's what it is. You want to practice how you play. If you're in the batting cages every day with this thing on the end of your bat. And then you're in batting practice with this thing on the end, of the end of your bat, measuring how you do. You get comfortable with it that way. It feels good against your hand. It feels the weight of everything. That's how you've been practicing. So when you're in a game, wouldn't you want to play the way you've been practicing? Take the sensor out, sure. But I understand leaving the bat the way you've been practicing with it for weeks and months even. So I think that's what was going on. That's why he left it on. And uh, I think that's an interesting thing that I haven't heard that perspective. I haven't heard anyone say, of course he left it on. You want the same conditions you practice with to be the way you play in a game. When I played college football, I practiced with all the same little arm sleeve and wristband and cleats. I did all the same. Everything I did on game day, I did the same thing in practice so that when I got to game day, it wasn't uncomfortable. I wasn't in a weird, unique situation. All my stuff is comfortable because I wear it every day. I practice the way I play. And I think Ellie De la Cruz was doing exactly that with the blast knob. And uh I'll tell you what, look up Ellie de la Cruz. Highlights, whatever you want. Look up the guy. Ellie E L L Y Space Bar D E Space Bar L A. Space Bar C R U Z. Ellie De La Cruz. Oh my goodness. I love this young baseball player. And uh, Shohei Otani is dominating. He's kind of the, the, the recent story in baseball. Uh, to me now, I, I've been there. I've done that. Shohei's amazing. He's like leading his team to angels in every category possible. Sure. But the baseball player that I'm most interested in right now, the guy bringing me to the TV, it's Eli De La Cruz. He's amazing. He's fun. And uh, what a cool story. I love the guy. And if you haven't watched anything of him before, look him up on YouTube. My goodness. Endless Entertainment watching this young man play baseball. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. Um and uh, I'll see you again, you know, we'll have a show come out Wednesday with a guest, assuming everything goes to plan, and then Thursday, Friday, we'll end the week. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Have a great day. And uh bum bam, we are